You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. You know, this is something that I teach uh, a lot of our students when I'm doing workshops. But I, I always say that the the adaptive angler wins. Uh, you know, the adaptive angler and the observant angler. So I think that people that are the most willing to uh, the, the most willing to adapt to whatever the given circumstances and they don't get too hung up on things that have worked for them in the past. I think that that's probably the best lesson I've learned is just to not, uh, you know, be, be, I can have a tendency to be kind of stubborn on the water. Sometimes if, if something worked really well, I can have a hard time changing from it. I've gotten way better over the years, but it's hard, you know, you get locked into something and then it stops working. Mm-hmm. Nowadays I can pretty much just pull up and and go try something else but there was a time when it was really hard for me so i think that you know the person who has the this the lowest the, the least ego <laughs> um and and the least attachment to what was working you know last week or yesterday or even an hour prior yeah that's probably uh you know and and another thing too is is to not get so hung up on on the result because at, at the end of the day you know the result uh, fish to hand, that's that's a bonus, but it's really not the reason that we go fishing. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Stoked you chose to join us today, and we're going to head out to the Shushwap area of British Columbia, Canada. We've got Jordan Ulrich on the line. Now, Jordan uh, right now owns uh, Interior Fly Fishing Company. Uh, he's an author. He's a guide. Um, he's got a few good things going on here. He's got a Stillwater Academy. If you're into fishing, fly fishing still waters, so lakes, ponds, puddles, locks, this is a guy you want to chat with. Uh, he also has Fly Fishing University. Sounds like somewhere I, I might have actually done well in school. Jordan, thanks for coming on the uh, show tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mark. How you been? It's been a while. We chatted uh, a couple years back. So it was probably 2018, the last time that that we that we did one of these. But life has been good and, and getting better every single day. You got now, you've got two little ones now? I've got two kids. Yeah, Haley, uh, my daughter, she's three, and then my son Brooks, uh, he just turned one. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so it's it's full it's full full swing. Oh man, it, <laughs> that's good stuff. Congrats! I'm happy for you guys. So now, I know there's a lot going on in your world right now, and we're gonna chat all about it. But first off, we didn't do this the first time I had you on the show was a long time ago. Now we got a little different format. I want to get to know you off the water a little bit, kind of your tendencies, your day to day. You ready for a few kind of random questions? Yeah, love random questions. Music. So you're driving to your favorite Stillwater. You're taking a client out. What is playing on the stereo in your truck? <laughs> so if somebody looked through like my if somebody looked through like my iTunes folder, they'd think that it belonged to like ten different people. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a couple different 
choices depending on my uh, depending on on my mood. So it's either going to be um, it's either going to be old older style country like uh, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, mm. uh, Willie Nelson. So that would be one day, and then like personality number two gets in the truck the next day, and I'm a huge Metallica fan. Um, nice. So like yeah, I've I've got uh, every single one of their albums. Uh, and then the day after that would be some uh, some some like newer what they would call like uh, alternative country or like Americana they could call it so mm-hmm. like uh, Jason Isbell or or Tyler Childers there's a whole bunch of, of new cool. guys that are really good um, and then and then the day after that would be uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what they call tropical house which is like mm. kind of like electronic uh, Kygo is like a great example of tropical house so that would be like my uh, yeah it's pretty off the wall but uh, I'll pretty much listen to anything I mean I don't categorize music I just like to yeah. uh, whatever you know my, my daughter's a huge Metallica fan like she asks for it um, on the way to school and stuff so so, uh, but yeah, every day, every day is totally different. I think diversity is good when it comes to tunes. I love it. Let's talk patterns, fly patterns. One go-to Stillwater BC fly pattern that you can't live without. So I, and I know you've got everything uh, under the sun probably in that fly box, but if you're reaching for one pattern more often than not, what is it? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. So, uh, so Brian Chan ages ago uh, came up with a fly called the BMW, which is Brian's Marabou Wiggler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, basically just a Marabou leech, but it's it's uh, usually I'll tie it and I'll just put like a little bit of a dubbed collar, which gives the fly a little bit more of like a teardrop shape. It adds maybe a little bit of flash to it, but that is, I mean, you can fish it in so many different colors and shapes and sizes. You know, you can fish it in a little olive like a 14 light olive and it could be either an immature damsel or a scud or a little green leech, or you can fish it in black or you can fish it in, you know, I'll fish it in maroon as both a leech or chronomid larva. Uh, that's such an incredible fly and super easy to tie. So that would be probably, that would be my number one for sure. If I, if I just had one that I could, um, and sometimes instead of marabou for the body, it's nice if you throw in like a, like a little UV, either UV dubbing or like a straggle string or something. But, uh, yeah, Brian's marabou wiggler. That is, that's such an amazing fly for lake fishing. I always think the best patterns are ones that could be a lot of things and that, that you nailed it. That, that could be, uh, like you say, a leech could be a chronomy, could be a bloodworm, could be, could be a damsel. Could be, it depends on the size and the color. I mean, it's uh, pretty versatile. Oh yeah, no, it is. And, and I, I definitely agree. I do like those patterns that, uh, you know, they, they represent just kind of a, a vast array of different things. What, what's your favorite place, Jordan, to talk fly fishing when you're not fishing? So in other words, is there a coffee shop, I mean, a fly shop like Trout Waters, where you, I know back in the day used to work, somewhere you go to get your fix, you know, a pub, somewhere that you talk fishing when you're not fishing? Um, other than my own head, uh, I, I do love going to Trout Waters because there's usually somebody in there that I've either met at some point when I worked there or there's a staff member that I can distract for a little bit and talk about fishing. Mm. Uh it's, you know, I, I could, oh man. Yeah. I mean, I could go in there just for fun and, and just walk around and chat with people about fly patterns and stuff. I'd say trout waters, trout waters is, is a great place to go. If you just want to go find somebody to talk fishing with. You probably don't remember this, but I know the first time I met you, you were actually working there and I'm sure you're still in high school. 
Probably. Yeah. I mean, I started there. Uh, I actually started in the fishing industry before I graduated from high school. I was, yeah, I was 17 years old. So I would have still been in high school when I started there uh, at the old shop. And then I think we moved to the new shop in 2013. Oh, so you were there when they moved from Westgate over to uh, downtown? Uh, no, sorry. I was there oh. when they moved from, yeah, they had one right at the bottom of Dilworth there, uh, right mm. off of Oh, Lackey. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I forgot Lackey about that. Yeah, right. It was a really sm- not not a really small store, but I mean, it just was busting at the seams, right? I mean, they had everything. the The walls were like we would get a small shipment of of hooks or beads, and you'd have to like rearrange the whole entire the whole entire pegboard. Uh, <laughs> so now, I mean, the shop they've got now is so incredible. There's such good people there, and uh, yeah. you know, there's such good people, and and really, I owe so much of what I've been able to experience in fly fishing. Uh, you know, it was the first fly fishing trade show I ever went to was with them. And, uh, cool. yeah, just an amazing store too. I mean, yeah. probably one of the best ones I've ever been into, if not the best. Yeah, I, I agree. hundred percent. Great guys. Um, favorite sports team. So let's talk sports. Are you a Canucks guy? Are you a, you know, Habs, Leafs, uh, Seahawks? Who do you pull for in the world of sports? <laughs> so I'm actually a Colorado avalanche right. diehard lifer uh yeah so i've been a colorado fan since i was well since they were the quebec nordiques um be joe. my my grandpa used to call joe sackick uh joe sad sack which made me so uh <laughs> just made me so upset so to get back at him i'd always cheer for colorado and yeah i hope to attend a colorado game uh, i've i've been to a couple in the past but i want to go to denver and go to one or two of them yeah. uh, and then i'm a, a huge golf fanatic so i'm there's a lot of guys on tour that i like to follow i mean tiger tiger woods probably one of my you know yeah. favorite athletes just from a place of uh yeah just incredible i mean what what a human being can accomplish and in in one uh in one sport in one area yeah agreed so um how's your game uh, you know, that's actually a pretty good question. So I used to play, I almost played uh, post-secondary, mm-hmm. uh, but the only problem was I started fly fishing a lot when I was about 15. And like, I mean, <laughs> it was like I couldn't, you know, it's like uh, I would, I'd be on the water before, uh, before a golf tournament. I would pack my five weight when I'd be going to like provincials and all I could think about was like getting off the course. I'd skip dinner and I'd go find like the closest water body that I could. It was a bit out of hand at times. So uh, anyways, my, I used to play to about a zero and then I stopped golfing for four years and I started playing uh, last year. I just randomly got my clubs out of storage one day and went to the driving range and hit it all over the place. But then in 2020, I actually took a bit of a break from a lot of other things and I just golfed and I actually practiced a ton. Um, I didn't get down to any rounds near even par, but I would say I had a couple that were like two, three over. So I was like, you know, maybe there's uh, it's it's definitely one of my favorite things to do outside of fly fishing probably my it's it's my favorite activity outside of fly fishing and fly tying for sure being that you spent time in Kelowna and are a golfer I, I played on the junior tour back in the day and these names mean anything to you Barry Evans Rob Anderson oh yeah yeah I've played a few rounds with Barry when I was young he's super good he was the grounds uh yep. he was grounds crew at Kelowna Golf and Country Club still when, is, I was, I think. Uh, when I worked there yep. yeah yeah I think he still is you're right yeah no that's uh it's funny because I 
I, I laugh because uh, I, I didn't never got it down that low. I was probably a five or six at, at the best. Played in provincials a couple times, but much like yourself, got into fly fishing and and uh, traded one graphite stick for another. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. Good stuff. Um, biggest lesson you've learned on your fly fishing journey, Jordan, so far. So if oh. you kind of had to distill down, you know, to a single takeaway, and I realize that's a big question, but it, what does it bring to your world? Oh man, that's, um, do you mean biggest thing I've learned as, as far as like a fly fishing lesson? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I would say that, um, you know, this is something that I teach uh, a lot of our students when I'm doing workshops, but I, I always say that the, the adaptive angler wins, uh, you know, the adaptive angler and the observant angler. So I think that people that are the most willing to, uh, the, the most willing to adapt to whatever the given circumstances and they don't get too hung up on things that have worked for them in the past. I think that that's probably the best lesson I've learned is just to not, uh, you know, be, be, I can have a tendency to be kind of stubborn on the water. Sometimes if, if something worked really well, I can have a hard time changing from it. I've gotten way better over the years, but it's hard, you know, you get locked into something and then it stops working. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I can pretty much just pull up and, and go try something else. But there was a time when it was really hard for me. So I think that, you know, the person who has the, the, the lowest, the, the least ego, <laughs> um, and, and the least attachment to what was working, you know, last week or yesterday, or even an hour prior, yeah. that's probably, uh, you know, and, and another thing too, is, is to not get so hung up on, on the result because at, at the end of the day, you know, the result uh, fish to hand, that's, that's a bonus, but it's really not the reason that we go fishing. Yeah, that's, that's really well put. And I, you know, it, for me, I don't know, I'm sure you're the same. Fly fishing teaches you life lessons that you don't even realize oh, at the time. 100%. You know, yeah. you, you talk about, um, being stubborn and it's like, if you're not, it's nature, if you don't bend, you're going to break. So you, you yeah. better be fluid with your decisions and your choices on what you're throwing on the end and, and just try different things. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Fill on the blank for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? <laughs> uh, it depends. If I'm with my kids, I'm probably cleaning like spaghetti off the wall or, uh, you know, something like <laughs> helping my daughter with her. She has this thing. She likes balancing, like pretending she's on a balancing beam on the, on the, uh, part of our couch. But, uh, Uh-oh. I'm actually, you know, if I'm, if I'm not on the water, uh, I really enjoy, and and this is something that I well I do enjoy playing guitar quite a bit. Uh, really big into things like meditation and reading, but um, mm. actually I've really fallen in love with marketing. Um, you know, I spend a lot more time in behind my computer nowadays than I used to. I think that that was kind of a common theme throughout 2020, but um, I really like uh, building, you know, marketing strategies and, and sales funnels. And like, that's really, really fun to me. Uh, so when I'm not, you know, when I'm not fishing or thinking about fishing, I'm, I'm usually finding a new way to market fishing courses or fishing products. What's the most recent self-help book you've read or, or name a couple of your faves? Either. Oh man, that's, uh, uh, yeah. So recently I've been, I've been actually reading a lot of, uh, like, like digital marketing. I read a lot about finance, really love, uh, reading about money. There's a book called happy money by Ken Honda that I'm looking at right now. Um, it's sitting right on top of 
uh, all of the Harry Potter, the whole Harry Potter series. I read the whole series in, <laughs> in the month of January. Um, that was the first fiction reading that I've done since I was, I was a young kid. But uh, I would say like there's a couple standbys. Like one is uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. That's oh, such yeah. a great book. Yeah. Um, uh, the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Okay. Uh, the Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer is he's definitely one of my favorite authors. Uh, read a few things, uh, you know, with the Dalai Lama. There's there's so many. I mean, there's so many great books. Uh, it's it's impossible. I've got some that I've read, you know, five times, six times. There's another one called uh, The Four Agreements. Oh man, by, I uh, love that book. Yeah, that's that's an, that's an amazing book. I think I've read but, that you know, probably thirty. Well, it's so small. It's a short read, but it's tiny, right? It's so nice. You know what uh, I love I, I about like it. Books. I, I like it when it tells you what you already know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like you're learning it. You already know it, but you, it's just a reminder. Well, hundred percent. And, and I like books that, uh, they get you out of your head. You know, they get you away from, um, they, they just shed a new, uh, a new perspective on things. And it's, I think that that's such, you know, it's, it's really the first thing that if anybody wants to change anything, I mean, the first thing that changes is your perspective. And so books, you know, they can just snap you out of that, that ego fear state in such a quick, uh, in such a short period of time. It's, I think that it's, you know, like, like Tony Robbins says, uh, weeds grow automatically, right? So, right. uh, you have to feed your mind things that are going to grow things that are not weeds, things that are going to grow, you know, powerful seeds. So that's, uh, it's, to me, it's really, really important just to keep my mind sharp. You know, I try to read at least, uh, at least 30 minutes, 60 minutes a day. What's the best job you've had so far? The one I have right now. <laughs> Good answer. No job. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Well, well let's well, talk about, no, let's talk I, about I'd that. I'd like to joke about, uh, I would consider myself, um, not a very employable person. A, I have a very short attention span and B, <laughs> uh, I really enjoy being able to create things on my own terms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say like, as far as, as far as a job, like, you know, growing up definitely was trout waters for sure. Uh, I, I also had a really awesome position at a, at a fly fishing lodge in the Chilcotin for three years or four years. That was really fun. But, you know, for me, like having, you know, uh, being able to share, uh, fly fishing, especially on the internet, you know, in 2020 was such a big pivot year, I think for a lot of people, but I would say right now, like there's really nothing else that I would rather be doing. I work, uh, I don't even really notice how much I work, but probably quite a bit. I was reading somewhere in your bio, uh, and I don't even know if, it's, if, if you wrote this, but I, I found it online. It said something about um, two truths and a lie. And, and, and I think one, <laughs> one, of them was, one of them was I lost a girlfriend to fly fishing and, <laughs> I, and I can handle spicy foods. And that I, was a lot. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. Yeah. You're, yeah, no, you're, that's correct. You're pretty easy to read. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I did one time had a girlfriend. I, this was going back well over ten years ago now, but uh, she said it was something along the lines of if if you go camping, um, if you go camping by yourself this weekend, then you know don't expect me to be around when you come back. And I was kind of like. Part of me was like, oh no. And then another part of me was like, where should I go? And were the yeah. mayflies, I, mayflies hatching that weekend? Uh, no, it was, it was chronomid season. So I was oh, like, no, it was a tough one. But, um, said. 
wasn't wasn't meant to be anyways but uh yeah and i can't handle spicy food i we order i love uh love east indian food but i literally order it with zero spice and yeah you know they probably just laugh as soon as they hang up the phone yeah i've been there <laughs> oh man best fly fishing location you've been and i know i know you'd spend a lot of time down in tarpenville but you tell me where's the best fly fishing location you've been uh, this for me, there's been so, I mean, there's so many, uh, but definitely if, if, you know, first right off the top of my head, uh, the Naknek river in Alaska is really amazing. Uh, there's another river up there called the Kulik that was probably, uh, it, one of the most incredible, uh, experiences of my whole life. I would say that, that, yeah, I mean, just Bristol Bay, Bristol mm-hmm. Bay, uh, Alaska is, is hands down the most amazing place cool. that I've ever seen. But a close second would be, you know, I really love Costa Rica. It's super cool because the tarpon are just so sick how big they are <laughs> um, and how many of them there are. Really, really love Belize. Uh, but I also love traveling around British Columbia. You know, it's uh, yeah. I love where I live. I love being able to fish, you know, in, in the Okanagan and Caribou uh, and, and the Thompson-Nicola region. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking my language there. Yeah. Let, well, let's, let's, um, let's transition into what you're doing now. So... I know you've got a uh, really good relationship with Phil Rowley, and you guys are, are working on a few exciting things. Why don't you tell us about the Stillwater Academy and, and Flyfish University? Um, you start wherever you want, but I, I want you to kind of tell us about both those things and, and, and what they're about. Yeah, so, you know, I think that um, I, I'm a huge believer that, that things are always uh, happening as, as they should be happening. And Phil and I had talked about, you know, we had talked about this all kind of started when I, I became a dad and I realized that, okay, I I used to teach a lot of fly tying lessons. And so I realized that my time was becoming more and more valuable and I couldn't go around teaching people fly tying lessons anymore. So I, I made a course of an online course, uh, teaching people how to tie chronomids because that's what a lot of people wanted to learn. And so I, I could vividly remember the day that I was, I didn't even build the course yet. I thought, okay, I'm going to price this at a hundred dollars. And if I can get three people to sign up, then I'll, you know, I'll build the course. If I don't get three people, then I'll refund them their money. And I'll just say, sorry, this doesn't work. And I'll give up the idea of online courses. But, uh, we ended up having, I can't remember, you know, I know for sure that we had 10 enrollments in like the first half an hour. And that like blew my mind. I mean, I was, I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to market. I had no idea. I think I posted it on like my Instagram story or something, but I was like, whoa, you know, as as a, somebody who was used to making just a fishing guide wage, I was like, all I did was cook eggs. And now there's like, you know, two days worth of work sitting, coming into my bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyways, Phil and I had been, you know, we had talked, I said, Phil, you know, we should, he, we, we would always have the same conversation. Hey, we got to talk. We got to talk. We got to talk. And then, uh, you know, as, as life had it in 2020, um, I, I pretty much watched my guiding business. Essentially you just, it was like somebody just pulled it from out under my feet when, when the borders closed. I mean, it was actually, it was a really stressful time for me for a little bit, but I knew that, you know, there had to be an answer. I couldn't just, uh, I, I couldn't, the, the borders closed, but my, my mortgage didn't stop, you know, coming out of my <laughs> bank account. <laughs> so I just thought, I said, I said, we got to pivot some way, shape or form. And I called Phil one morning. I said, I said, Hey Phil, I said, you know, 
I think that there's a way that we could teach people how to fly fish, still water fly fish on the internet. You know, would you be interested in doing this? He was like, totally. And so uh, by, by a stroke of luck or divinity, my neighbor had bought me a book about about you know how to sell online courses and i was like i was like okay well there's something here uh let's i'm just gonna follow what this book tells me to do and then and we're just gonna kind of wing it we're just gonna kind of go from there we had we knew nothing i didn't even have a zoom account at the point i didn't even know uh, i didn't even know how to how to work a zoom call um so anyways we we opened up the enrollments for this course and what we did was was over 21 days we taught we said okay let's deliver you know massive massive value for people you know it was it was like how could we at least give people the knowledge to have like the best year that they've ever had in fly fishing right still water fly fishing so uh yeah we opened up our enrollment and we had like over 100 people from the US and Canada and it was like I mean, I was beside myself going from wondering, you know, what on earth I was going to do to being like, whoa, I could probably, you know, there's a chance that somebody could make a living, a pretty good living selling like online fishing courses. So Phil and I had some collaborative efforts over 2020. We taught some live workshops. Uh, we taught a lot of, you know, virtual workshops and stuff like that. And so we decided that, hey, you know what? It, it was getting kind of confusing. Like Phil had his brand. I had interior fly fishing company. The place that we were hosting our online courses was somewhere called the interior fly fishing company learning center, which was something that I had designed to be an online stillwater school. But I really, really wanted, you know, Phil and I had a great time working together and I thought, you know, we need to have a brand that we can, that, that can back both of us, uh, which you know, turned out to be stillwater fly fishing Academy. So we just opened up on, I mean, we just ran our first, our, our first uh, openings on uh, was just closed down. What's today, Friday? So it just closed down on Wednesday night, and yeah. So Stillwater Academy is basically it's it's an online educational platform for stillwater anglers. You know, because it's such an intricate game. There's so many things that can go wrong in lake fishing, and so many things that have to go right. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, especially when you get into really technical fisheries. So you know, it's just a it was an effort that Phil and I had to to basically create. Uh, you know, to, to basically create a place where we could educate, you know, people on, on fly fishing still waters and, and help them shorten their learning curve a bit. You know, you know, it's funny. I, I think I've been fly fishing for almost 40 years and I recently took your course. In fact, I'm currently taking it. And, oh, sweet. Which one? Uh, I'm taking the uh, trophy Stillwater trout and I'm, oh, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm loving your diagrams. I, you're, you're definitely a born artist with your, <laughs> with your <laughs> setting up the dangle and, 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 oh, and yeah. uh, your leader yeah, systems. Quite, quite the illustrator. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. But honestly, <laughs> it, um, all joking aside, I, I always look at something, if I can take one or two things away that I didn't know before, it's worth it. And believe me, there's a lot more there than, than meets the eye. And I think, I think it's, um, it's an underutilized resource, the online stuff. And also, um, you guys are so sharing with the information. I mean, between you and Phil, you've got years of guiding, you've got, you know, um, national fly fishing team experience. It's like, um, it's a wealth of information and you make it fun and, and you can kind of learn at your own pace. Um, you know, you can do one chapter at a time or, but I'm also looking at the, uh, mastering chronomets one. I haven't started that yet, but, um, I'm looking forward to that, 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 
uh, for me, I find I could talk about chronomets all day. I just find them fascinating, and I know that. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, that's awesome, and and that's that's super cool that you're taking them. So, you know, I think that that something that that one of the most powerful things behind the online education is is the ability to go at your own pace. And also, you know, what's even more powerful is the ability to revert back to the learning content whenever you want, because I've taught a ton of, uh, of live workshops and like science shows that, that 70% of what you learn is gone in a 24 hour period. Oh yeah. But when, when you can learn through repetition, that's how you ingrain it, you know, past the conscious into the subconscious to where you don't have to, you no longer have to think about that calculation anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you, you can make the, the, the calculation comes on autopilot. That is such a powerful thing. I think too, Jordan, when you're learning about something you're passionate about, it's not work. Like, it's like, I I wish I could have done school like that. I look at it and go, you put numbers in front of me. I'm just like, (laughs) I just like start blurring over. But, um, when you talk about like, um, 2,500 species of chronomids, I, I'm just like, what? Crazy, right? Yeah. So, and I know that sounds bizarre, but, um, it's, it's a niche kind of market in which we're in <laughs> and, Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, as a friend of mine, uh, had a guy in his podcast, he said in the, in the niches are the riches. And I think there's a lot That's of truth exactly in that. Exactly right. There yeah. is. I mean, I mean, because you don't want to be to, to me, you know, I don't look at markets as either you have, you know, your blue ocean and your red ocean. And I think that the more you can niche yourself down, uh, the better, right? I mean, it's, it's, I actually just read that. I just read that sentence. The riches are in the niches in a, uh, in a, in a marketing book like yesterday. Um, but you know, exactly. The, the thing for Phil and I is really educating people, helping them get the information that they need so that they can ultimately create a better, you know, experience when they're on the water, because I remember what it's like to suck and, you know, go out and not have a clue what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, that's, it's, it's fun because you're learning, but it is so frustrating sometimes when all you want to do is have the same result that the guy next to you has. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And we've all lived that. Um, and, and, and that's what makes you want to be a better angler. That's what makes you want to figure it out because it's like, um, what are they doing? I'm not, is it pattern? Oh, is it 100%. placement? Is it, and, and the one cool thing I think about fly fishing that we don't really talk about, unless you're fishing super competitively, people are sharing with information and even the competitive guys, uh, and gals are sharing. And like, for me, it's like, um, just ask the question cause you'll probably get an answer. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think that it's important, you know, there's, there's, really no benefit to somebody unless it's a unless it's a specific water body then I totally understand but when it comes to fly patterns and stuff like that it's like the there I don't think that there's a huge benefit to somebody withholding the information and and, and hoarding it all to themselves I think I you know what I think that's what some people miss it's like um you got to share it it's like it's like if when you go fishing on your own you light it up but you got nobody to share it with it's like share your knowledge and and I don't I don't even know how to verbalize it but it it definitely is it changes the playing field and it makes it a lot more uh enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Hmm. 
So uh, Fly Fishing University then, so that's along the same lines as Fly Fishing Academy? Or talk talk to me about about that a little bit. Yeah, so Fly Fishing University was actually, uh, was, you know, amidst the, the, amidst the whole, you know, COVID thing, I was looking at Fly Fishing saw its biggest year ever in 2020. And I thought there's, a, there's so many people out there that are probably just getting into this. What do people need? that could take them from wherever they want, wherever they are, you know, whether it's, whether it's just starting out or maybe they've got some equipment, they don't really know what to do with it. What do people need that could help them get past that early growing stage? And ultimately, how could we get the information to them in the easiest way possible? We know for sure that we're not doing it through live workshops. Um, but there's a huge, opportunity now to do it on the internet because there is no cap on how many people that you can reach and teach. And I mean, for me, you know, in, in my whole career, my whole model is, is basically just educating and helping as many anglers as we possibly can. Uh, so Flyfish university, actually we, we built to be an online school that, you know, people can come in, they can get specialized knowledge from you know, not, not just myself. I mean, I don't, I don't consider myself to be any sort of like, uh, uh, a renowned angler or anything. I'm just someone who's spent a lot of time fishing, but how can we help them get I uh, thought information? I, I thought I saw a quote that said you were the Eckhart Tolle of fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you found it. It might've been fake news. Um, but no, it's basically just, you know, fly fish university being an, an online resource to help anglers shorten their learning curve and increase their confidence in what they're doing when they're on the water. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, just create a better fly fishing experience. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, what, I, you know, it's something I want to talk to you about um, that I haven't, and you've done since we originally did our first podcast back a couple of years back, uh, was the book that you wrote on chronomids. And now, is this still available? Is this something that's sold out? Is it still in print? Talk to me about that. <laughs> that's a really good question. So uh, so I actually, I, I remember that I got home as, I got home from... Oh, I can't remember where I was. I was I was on a trip. So okay, I I got home from Belize, and rather than typing up, I used to blog a ton with Interior Fly Fishing Company when I started my business. When I started Interior Fly Fishing Company, which I've now uh, you know started the the phase the transition phase out of. But when I started it, uh, it was like all I did was blog. I blogged every single day for like 90 days because I knew that it was good for search engine optimization. And I don't think I had a lot of money to spend on Facebook ads or paid traffic. Um, but I found that the one thing people were so interested in was chronomid fishing. It was like, it was like the one thing that people were just like over the moon about, like we'd post a, an article about chronomids and it would get like 10 X the amount of traffic that, that, you know, any other post would get. So I thought, well, I could probably compile this something into a book, right? It's like, I, I didn't want to have it printed up front. So I just sold it as a digital book. I think I built it on like Microsoft Word on my old Dell computer. Uh, so this is the crazy thing though, is that uh, I called it the Chronomid Fishing Handbook, 51 Tips for Chronomid Fishing Success. Uh, now this is the funny part is that I never really marketed it. I had no idea how to market. 
Um, it is still available on the Interior Fly Fishing Company website, but I suppose I should move it over now to the Stillwater Academy site where we can maybe put it in front of some more people. But the crazy thing is that at least somebody buys that book probably every single day. And there's a part of me that's like, it's kind of buried on the website. There's a part of me that's like, where do these people find it? Um, but no, it was, you know, it was an ebook that I wrote. Basically, if I was like, if I could just write the hugest blog post in the world about chronomid <laughs> fishing <laughs> I love it. and compile it into like a few chapters, you know, what would it be? Yeah. Uh, and that was pretty much it. And I just wrote it so that, you know, people could take it, they could download it on their phone, they could take it with them on the water. And, and, you know, chronomid fishing is such a technical thing. Sometimes there's so many, I've helped people on the water where it's like, you ask them, can I see your setup? And you look at it and you're like, everything that could be going wrong is definitely going wrong here. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, how do we get people this information where they can go, Oh yeah. Okay. I know what I'm doing. You know, I know what knots I need to connect these two things together. I know, uh, how long my leader needs to be. I know w how to build my leader properly. Uh, but I know what to look for when I'm on the water. Right. It's, uh, it, so yeah. Anyways, I think that I'm going to do a, a chronomid fishing handbook 2.2.0. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, so the ice just came off. You're in your happy place. Chronomids are popping. What's your, what's the first pattern you're throwing on uh, your indie this year? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I actually fish a lot of really simple flies that are not uh, really not very fancy in any way. I would say probably now early, you know, early season, a lot of times you're going to find fish like really, really close to the mud. So I would fish, I really like a fly that, uh, it's just like a dark brown body with a red, but, uh, blended, you know, thread, uh, UTC 70 red in the back and then, uh, UTC 70 dark brown for the top two thirds of the body. Uh, that's one of the first ones that I use what, in the spring. What color rib? <clears throat> uh, copper. Hmm. Yeah, usually copper or black, but uh, it's it's nice because it imitates uh, that that kind of transitionary phase from the larval into the pupil stage. White bead uh, or gills? Go through. Uh, all depends on water clarity. Hmm. A lot of times, you know, if I'm fishing really close to the bottom, I like fishing white bead. But if we're talking like super clear water, then then absolutely not. Then it's then it's a gill. Yeah. Good stuff. Who, who taught you the most about fly fishing? If you had to single like one or two or three people out that kind of helped your learning curve and kind of, you know, brought fly fishing to your forefront, who, who would you look to? That's a really good question. I would say that it's, it's a huge compilation of people that I met through the fly shop. Um, when I started fly fishing, I was probably... Uh, oh, let's see. I was maybe three or four years into it, but I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and I met somebody named Len Bavart and Len was like a, like a lake fishing mentor to me. Almost. He taught me so much about what I was doing wrong. I mean, there was, there was just an unbelievable amount of things, areas where I was missing the mark. Uh, there's a lot of people that I've looked up to and, and even people like Brian and Phil, who I've been very fortunate to know for some time now. But, uh, you know, when, when I started fly fishing, I would read and watch everything that they put out. I mean, it was like, that was my, 
livelihood was just watching as much as I possibly could. Um, and, and, you know, I would say, uh, Nick and Savas at Trout Waters, I learned such an incredible amount from them. I mean, just, I mean, just an absolutely staggering amount from them. Uh, they're, they're really, really, I mean, Savas is one of the most knowledgeable anglers I've ever met. He's so incredibly smart. He's super fishy. Uh, but yeah. And then just a lot of people that I met through the shop, you know, I would, I would get talking to people and I'd pick their brain. I'd, I'd be questioning our customers about like their fishing techniques. Um, but you know, it was, uh, I, I still have kind of that, like I still spend a ton of time just, you know, learning like YouTube videos. Like I'll sit and devour like three hours worth of, of instructional fly fishing YouTube videos. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, and, and I love to learn about, you know, different types of fishing. Uh, one of the things I'm learning next now is Euronymphing. Tell me, and this, tell me if these guys ever show up on your, on your Google search, uh, bcflyguys.net. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I know Brandon. Um, no, they're, they're super good guys. Exceptional anglers too. Stillwater Facebook page. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think the YouTube, I think the Facebook al- algorithm knows that I've been on that one a couple times. <laughs> I just think it's funny because a lot of us are looking at the same sources and, uh, there's a lot of people that have been helping a lot of us catch fish for years that don't get a lot of recognition, I find. Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you got any crazy fish stories? And sometimes it takes a minute or two to think about this, but is there anything weird or wonderful that has happened to your time guiding or just, you know, private time fishing? Anything come to mind? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had a few, like, uh, I was in Costa Rica one time and it was my fifth day of a five day trip. I hadn't hooked a fish. Well, I'd, I'd hooked a few fish. I hadn't landed a fish. I jumped a couple and we had to go back to the lodge at five o'clock PM. And at four fifty seven, I jumped like a hundred pounder and ended up fighting it for about 45 minutes broke my 12 weight like six inches above the cork oh. and the guide jumped, you know, uh, right over the side of the gunnel and grabbed the leader, grabbed the line and basically hand lined it in and we, and we landed it and got a photo of it. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, another super cool one was, uh, this was actually a friend of mine was guiding, uh, my friend Dave, he had two people and, and this was, uh, fishing moving water, but fishing a really nice inside kind of a corner pocket inside seam, uh, and, and basically his two guests had, you know, they, they cast and their line kind of got tangled. And so, uh, the, one of them had hooked something on the, uh, on the far bank. And then the other person had cast their line across it. And basically, um, you know, had, they, they had two flies that were tangled together, um, hanging about, uh, an inch on, over top of the water and a uh, fish actually came up and ate. Uh, they were both fishing stonefly adult imitations. A uh, fish actually came up and ate, I, I guess, like both of the flies. <laughs> Got one of them in its mouth. Uh, so now there's two people hooked up on the same fish, and an eagle came down out of the tree, grabbed the fish, uh, <laughs> starts pulling line off both people's reels, and brings it back up to the uh, ends up bringing it back up to its tree and and ate it. But yeah, I've had had a pr- couple pretty interesting ones. I put my Jeep in the lake one time. Um, like all the way up past the doors, I actually had to go get my pram to go get the vehicle. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've had, uh, had a lot of really 
interesting experiences you, on the water. You come a long way because I I think I just had a flashback when you said Jeep, and I seem to think, correct me if I'm wrong, your first kind of vehicle for fishing was a Honda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a good story about the Honda. It was a Honda CRX, right? Uh, which is like a 1988 Honda CRX hatchback. And it was uh, like a few inches off the ground and every day, God, I hope my mom's not listening to this pretty much every day, you know, if in the, in the spring of my grad year, uh, I would, I'd start driving to school. This is like why I passed by like one credit, but uh, I'd start driving to school, but I'd have my belly boat deflated in the back and, you know, I'd have my five weight kind of folded up and I'd had a fly box and didn't really know what I was doing, but I'd go out to like one of our local lakes and, you know, usually the paved access ones. But, uh, I decided to take my Honda CRX into Sawmill Lake one time. <laughs> and this was when the road was quite bad. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to blank out the name of that lake just so you know. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so this was 2010 and it was November 5th of 2010 and I drove the, uh, I, I drove my Honda uh, way, way out onto the mud, like onto the marl, thinking it was hard ground. Oh, and yeah, I got it stuck. Um, wow. did fish the whole day. Uh, my dad obviously wasn't very happy, but he came and, and winched me out. But it was pretty shortly thereafter that I ended up getting, uh, I ended up getting a Nissan Pathfinder that didn't last very long. And then it was the Jeep. And then it was a series of Xterra's. Um, but fishing vehicles, they, they need to have character. I think that my Honda CRX had character, just not, not the right character for what I needed it for. I know the Ridge on that lake you're talking about and you're going back a ways there. Cause it's been a while since that Ridge has been there. Very, very long time. Yeah. What's your go-to fishing vehicle now? What do you like to, uh, drive to get you to those spots? Oh, I, I have a Ford F-150 and I love it. I mean, it is super, super good on gas. It's just an amazing vehicle. I absolutely love it. I've got tons of room in the back. Like, uh, I can fit both car seats in the back and yeah, that's, I'll probably have this truck for a very, very long time. Hmm. What, what are you fishing out of these days? Uh, I mean, I was talking to Phil about this the other day and I really like your take on this. Things have really changed in the world of Stillwater fly fishing as far as vessels. I mean, we were all out of the pontoons and the float tubes and the U-boats, you know, the belly boats. And now, now, now these wide crafts are coming in. What do you, what's your go-to fishing craft right now? Uh, so that's, that's a really good question, actually. So you're right. I mean, when I started, it was, it was a U-boat, it was a kick boat. Uh, and as soon as I went from that to a pram, I had bought a, I, I had bought a pram for $75 on a foreclosure sale one time and I fixed it up myself. I fixed up all the leaks and you know, I got it in the water and I was like, wow, I'm dry, you know, and I can get to the shore whenever I want pretty yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. That was a huge game changer for me. Uh, I progressed over the years. I fish out of a 1032 for a long time. Yep. Fun boat. If you're by yourself, but two people, it's like one person breathes the wrong way and it, you know, starts taking on water. Uh, so actually as of 2021, uh, I'm going to be fishing a Marlin SP 14, which I'm super excited about. Nice. Super, super wide boat. Uh, you know, in, incredible beam width on it, but, uh, yeah, very excited for that. I fished a, a 1756 for the last few years, but as I start, you know, transitioning, uh, away from 
you know, guiding full time and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm very excited to have, to have a 14 footer. I can still take, you know, one or two people if I want in it, but, uh, a super big, super wide boat. If I'm fishing by myself, I always think once a guide, always a guide. So I, I know I, most guides I talk to, and I talk to a lot of guides on this show, but it, it always seems that your go-to clients become like family, become like friends. It's not really a paid trip anymore. It's just somebody you're fishing with. I suspect are you still going to be doing a lot of that? Um, yeah. So, so that's a good question. I mean, you know, when I made the decision to, to sell my guiding company, uh, when I made the decision to start transitioning away from, you know, guiding all of the time, a, a lot of it was, uh, a lot of it was driven just from both the idea that, you know, the business models that we have now are just a lot more scalable and a lot more automated, you know, and a lot more passive on, on some level. Uh, but for sure, I mean, I've got some, some guests that are like really close friends of mine. Uh, I think that I'll, I'll always save a few days a year for them. Uh, absolutely. Hmm. As of right now, I probably won't start like taking on any any new people, but I do, I've got a short list of people, you know, most of them come from the States. Some of them come from Canada, but most from the States. And I just, you know, it's such a joy fishing with them. It's so much fun. Uh, I look forward to it, guiding them for five days, as much as I would look forward to just going, you know, fishing with a close friend for five days. Um, Mm. so for sure. I mean, I, I think that, uh, uh, there's, there's always going to be room for a few people that I like to fish with, but I'm also, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to have a bit more time to fish now and, and just, you know, a lot more time to spend on the water and, and actually fishing excited to take my kids fishing. Those will probably be my, my repeat clients, my, my main clients for the next few years. <laughs> Let's pretend it's about, oh, I don't know, mid May and, um, bugs are starting to hatch. The ice is starting to pull back, uh, at some of those higher lakes. I want you to put on your artist hat for me and paint a picture of your perfect day. So don't name the lake. We don't need, (laughs) we don't need specifics, but what we need is I want to know what you're drinking. You know, if you got a coffee on the go, um, who are you fishing with? What are you chasing? What species? What, and how are you chasing them? Paint us a picture. Oh, and now is, is this lake fishing or is this any kind of fishing? It's lake. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, um, I would, I really love coffee. It just makes me super jittery. So I actually uh, drink this stuff called like mushroom coffee now. Uh, it's super good. If you've never tried it, it's, it's, it's still coffee, but it has, uh, has like some, some compound mushroom blends in it. Uh, so I definitely would have one of those. One of my favorite things is pulling up to a lake, you know, getting outside, getting the boat unhooked and just knowing that there's nobody there. Uh, I do like to fish. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, I love fishing with people. Um, I, I really enjoy spending time with people on the water, but there's a, another huge part of me that likes to fish by myself. And on this perfect day, I'm going to say that I'm actually, actually fishing by myself. Hmm. Um, Interesting. You know, it's, it's been a long winter and, and I actually am really looking forward to just the first day that I can go anchor in just dead silence. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like if I could pick one of those days in in mid May into early June, and you know, there's swallows dipping down, and maybe a bit of a breeze, and chronomids popping all over the place. I mean, it's it's really really hard to beat that. How many feet of water are you fishing? 
Oh, we're fishing 18, 18 foot mud flat. Indicator flat on the bottom. Uh, one indicator, one naked line. Hmm. What's on the indicator line? Indicator line is going to be uh, indicator line is going to be like a like a, a black with a tan rib. Okay, that's one of my one of my go to uh, chronomids. It's a really really great bug. It fishes well, so many different instances, but uh, definitely one of the first ones that I'll put on. You know, if I'm fishing close to bottom with an indicator, and then I'll fish something like a uh, maybe fish a chromie or or like a gray and black on my on my naked line. Yeah, that's a that's a, that makes a lot of sense to me. Cool. Um, I know what you mean about those swallows though. When those swallows are dipping down, do you, are you a, are you a guy that's, um, I assume you're using a fish finder. Are you using binoculars at all to find, you know, hatches or how do you, how do you select your spots mostly? Yeah, I'll use a sounder. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different factors that come in, uh, bugs. Uh, if, if I'm seeing bugs and marking fish, especially more than like one or two. But usually even if I go over a spot and there's, and there's, you know, there's chronomids hatching and you see even one fish on the sounder is good enough for me to drop anchor. Uh, I, I use my sounder religiously. I have a helix five. I really like it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge binocular guy. I mean, it's once in a while from fishing with other people that I'm friends with, you know, I'll, I'll keep them with me just so I can see what they're up to. Yep. But, um, you know, it's, that's the fun part, right. Is, is figuring it out. Are you double anchored? Always. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have, used to do like one anchor in the pontoon boat and then try to control it with my fins and just like, Oh my God, it's just spinning circles the whole time. Yeah. I just, I just bought a new, uh, a new pram and I cannot wait to get that double anchor going. And <laughs> Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. The double anchor is so huge. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, hey, man, is there anything we haven't covered tonight we need to talk about? I mean, I know you're busy now uh, as dad. You're busy um, with the Stillwater Academy. You're busy with the Fly Fish University. Um, talk to me. What's coming up this year for you? Uh, well, we're started going into YouTube now, which I'm so excited about. We've been putting out two episodes a week uh, on Fly Fish University, and then we've actually got a free workshop coming up uh, called the Fly Fishing uh, called the Fly Fishing Accelerator Workshop. Uh, it's a three night event. It's completely free, and basically, you know, anybody who's looking to get a bit of a primer going into this, you know, this coming season, whether it's their first year or their tenth year. Uh, I think that, you know, we're going to go cover not just some of the basics, but go really deep on some of the things that that some of those small intricacies that make a huge difference on the water. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a free three night workshop. Um, if people want to sign up, they can go to flyfishuniversity.com and the forward slash is accelerator. Uh, but other than that, you know, just doing a ton of uh, creating as much valuable content as I possibly can. And really, if I can, the, the, the more people that I can help, you know, create uh, a great experience on the water for, all the better. Are you doing anything with uh, fins and fairways or um, you going to try and shave a few uh, strokes off the handicap? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to take a couple more off this year. Uh, yeah, I've been, I was missing it really bad off the tee last year and missing it, you know, just like. Uh, it's, it's hard to put it together when you don't practice all the time. It's like, that was a big difference when I, when I golfed as a kid, you know, I could, I would practice 12 hours a day, but, um, yeah, definitely going to try to get out, do a little bit more golfing and fishing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do a little bit more golfing and fishing together. It's, I mean, Kamloops is an amazing place 
for those two activities. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It sounds like you're kind of working on that, uh, work life balance just a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, the work life balance is, is I get almost just like when I wake up in the morning, I have like this, maybe like 10 seconds of blank space. And then all it is, is just like, all I think about is fishing and, and you know, how can we share fishing with more people, make fishing better, make better courses, make better content, better podcasts, better videos, <laughs> how can we, you know, bring in more students? So yeah, I mean the, the work-life balance is huge for me. Like today, you know, uh, I, I was home all day with my son, uh, my daughter was at school and it's nice to just put the, put the laptop away, put the phone away and just have, you know, designated one-on-one time. Uh, it's, it's hard sometimes, uh, when, when you have a business that there are things that, you know, they, they pop in your head and it's like, now's the time. Sometimes it's like 11 PM on a Friday. Um, probably as soon as we get off here, it'll be like a couple hours of, of tweaking things or, you know, building a new, uh, a new, sales funnel or something like that. But, uh, yeah, work-life balance is big. I mean, especially when you don't have somebody telling you, you know, when, when you should or shouldn't be at work. <laughs> Might have to scrape a little more spaghetti off the wall too. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan, thanks for doing this, man. It's always great to catch up my friend and, and, and let's stay in touch and, uh, good luck with this coming season. Yeah. I, I think that we would, uh, I think that we would be wise to get on the water this year. You've been listening tonight to a chat with Jordan Ulrich the author, blogger, guide. Uh, he's uh, got Stillwater Academy and Fly Fishing University. Check him out. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines, and we'll see you on the water.